good morning. Welcome to Milestone Church. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. And uh, as Alex said, we know that each and every week it's someone's first time. That's a big deal to us. And so if this is your first time, again, I personally want to welcome you. And if I hadn't had an opportunity to meet you, I look forward to meeting you after service. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're kicking off Prepare. And as you heard in the video and as Alex shared, you may be going, well, what is Prepare? And I love this time within the life of our church. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about this moment, taking time to intentionally fast and pray, to really pursue God, to, to dedicate time, to set aside time to really run after the Lord and grow in our relationship with Him. And here's what I love, and I've been thinking about this, and, and this has just kind of been one of my prayers. When you, when you look and you're going, well, how do I know God's working and moving in my life? Where do I see Him? Well, when you look back, you see His faithfulness. God, here's where and how you've been faithful in my life. And as we look forward, what we do then is we trust His sovereignty. He's working and He's moving even when we don't see it. I like to say it this way. God's doing 10,000 things on your behalf and you may be aware of three of them. He's always working. He's always moving. He's doing something on your behalf. And so when we set aside time like this intentionally and we go, you know what, God, there's a lot going on. But you know what, I want to stop a minute and I want to dedicate this time, these moments, these next few uh, days to fast and pray, to come together in evening services because I want to hear from you. I want to meet with you. Why is that so important? Because here's what I've seen in my own life and in the life of our church, it's this, is that God meets us right where we're at. Why do I know that? Because here's what happens. God is so significant. He sees all of it. Right? He sees our past. He sees where we're at. He sees the future. So what God is doing is he's preparing in you now for what he has for you in the future. All the things that he has ahead of you. And so it's an exciting time. I'm excited about the season and this moment. I also want to take a minute just to celebrate all that God did during our Christmas services. I'm so grateful for you and for many of you that joined us during Christmas. Many of you that served and helped create an, uh, an opportunity for people to know Jesus. Just at this campus alone, 29 people came to know Jesus right here. That's something to be excited about. That's something to celebrate. God's word says this, there is more joy in heaven, more joy. So more than anything else that we do, more joy when just one comes to know Jesus. And, and what I love, though, is it's moments like this. Sometimes we, we don't realize, we can, we can forget we're a part of something larger. We're a part of what God is doing across DFW through Milestone Church. And so across all three campuses across DFW, there were 2,000 people that served and helped put on Christmas candlelight services across McKinney, Keller, and in Hazlitt. And there were over 321 people that gave their life to Jesus all across DFW because of your effort and your work and the way you pray. And so thank you so much, Milestone Church. And, and you may go, why, is, why are you taking time to share that, Pastor Chris? Because I want you to know there's a lot of time and energy that goes into it. A lot of you sacrificed. You're serving here. You're up here early. You're here on Christmas Eve. You're in the back serving the kids. And because you do that, there are lives, there are families, and there are eternities that have been impacted because of that. So thank you, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles. James chapter 1. We're going to get there in just a minute. But before we get there, we're going to look at Luke chapter 6. 
And I'm going to share with you a question that Jesus asks. And he asks this question because it really ties into James. It ties into what we're going to read in the book of James. And when you look at what's happening here in Luke chapter 6, what's happening is there, there's this conversation that Jesus is having. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. He's sharing these things. He speaks about a tree that isn't bearing the fruit that it should. He talks about a foundation that we should be building. And then he says this phrase or this question. He asks this question to the people. And here's what it is. here it is. Luke chapter 6 verse 46. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? I mean right there in that one simple phrase. I mean there's a lot right there. Now you may read that and you think, man, that sounds a little corrective. And like what, what's Jesus getting at? Why is he saying that? What's he doing? And well, well, he's really dialing into something that's significant in our life. He's saying, look, you say that I'm the Lord, you call me Lord, but you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. It's kind of like this, you know, it's like if you've ever been a part of a, a sports team or, or you follow sports in any capacity, it, it's, it's like having a coach. And when you have a coach, what does the coach do? The coach gives you the vision, gives you the directive. He gives you the play to run. Why? So that you can accomplish the goal. You can accomplish the task. So ultimately, what can you do? You end up winning. If you've been around my, I've shared with you before, I like to win. I don't play for fun. I play to win. Just ask my kids about goldfish. I'm like, give me that ace. Boom, pair of aces. Boom. It's like, I, I like to win, Okay. I don't, you know, we're going to learn, we're going we're gonna to play to win. Now, though, they've ganged up on me. So their goal is not just, hey, I want to win. Their goal is dad is not going to win. So it's like four of them. And then Wendy gets in the mix, and she's in it, and she's from Louisiana, so she'll hug you, but she'll cut you now. And so they gang up on me, and it's like, man, what is happening? So it's not fair. Y'all pray for your pastor because it gets real intense when we're playing goldfish, okay? I, I like to win. And what Jesus is saying, look, I'm the you're saying I'm the coach, but you're not running the play that I've given you to run. He's saying, you call me Lord, Lord, but you're not doing what I say. And what Jesus is doing here is he's highlighting a tension that we all experience in our life. There's a tension in our life that we all experience. We have this faith that we want to live. We want to grow in our faith. We want to grow in our relationship with Jesus. But the tension is we have faith, but then we have our life over here. And seemingly this tension, is navigating this tension becomes overwhelming. Because I have this faith that I want to live, but my life and the life that I'm living, they don't seem to add up. Why not? That's what Jesus is saying. You call me Lord. You say you have this faith, you have this relationship with me, you want to have this, but you're not doing what I say. You're not running the play. You're saying I'm the coach, and I'm giving you the play to run, but you're not, you're not running the play. I, I'm reminded of that when, when my middle child, she played soccer. If you've ever been around when we first moved back, you have been around four-year-old soccer, you learn real quickly. They're not playing to score goals. They're not there for the outfits. They are there for the snacks at the end of the game. And now it's like next level. You mom's in here. I mean, you got goodie bags and packages. Kids are coming home with toys. I mean, when I was playing, you know what you got at the end of the game? An orange slice. 
And if you were real fancy, you got two, okay? It's like, man, we bumped up, man, a high level. You get two. You actually got like half of an orange, two slices, way to go, okay? Now it's like, why? Because they're not there for the goal. They're there for the snack. See, sometimes we don't realize. Jesus is saying, you're calling me the coach. You're saying, hey, Lord, Lord, but you're not doing what I say. So how do we navigate that? You see, what happens is you go, okay, make it real plain for me, Pastor Chris. Well, well I'll make it plain. There's, this, there's these opposing tensions in our life. I, I want to eat whatever I want to eat, but I want to be healthy. We, we've all experienced that, you know. I mean, Thanksgiving, Christmas, it's like, I don't know, maybe marketing, like, when it comes to the timeline, they're like, New Year's resolution, let's do that at the beginning of the year, because I know all them folks just ate whatever during Thanksgiving and Christmas, okay? It's like, what do we, it's like, I want to be healthy, but I really want to eat whatever I want. My life seemingly is getting busier and busier, but I want to grow in my faith. I I, want to be me. You, You be you, boo. I want to do my own thing. I want to have my own flow, my own personality. But I want to be a part of something significant. I want to make a difference. I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. You see, these are oppositions that you face every day. We all face this tension in our lives. But I want to give you a word this year that I think will help you navigate that tension. This word, as, as, as you hear this, each year we share a word with you, kind of a word of the year. And I think this word is going to help you navigate the tension that we all experience. Because we all have these opposing tensions in our life. We all experience at some level what Jesus was saying in Luke 6. And here's the word. The word for the year is engage. It's engage. Now, now why is that significant and important, it's because of this. What you choose to engage in will determine the quality of your life. What you choose to engage in. So you want to choose wisely what you're going to engage with. What you're going to engage into. You want to choose wisely about those things. And what does the word engage mean? When you look at the word engage, the word engage means this. To begin or carry on an activity. To pledge oneself, to give attention to something. So it's talking about your focus. I've shared with you before, what you focus on, you fixate over. What you fixate over, what happens? You'll move towards it. What are you going to engage with this year? We're all going to experience that tension that I just got done sharing with you. We all live with it at some level. And the way that we can navigate that tension is by learning to see what it looks like to engage. Now, I think about engaging, I, I, I think about, you know, you, there's a couple of things you may think about. You think about engagement, I think about when Wendy and I got engaged, but I even go back a little further. I think about when I got my second car. My second car was a standard. Now, at the time, I didn't know how to drive standard. Well, if you know how to drive standard, then you know you've got some gears and you have this thing called a clutch that you have to engage And you have to engage that clutch while shifting gears to get it into gear. And then once that clutch is engaged and that gear is engaged, then you're going to go. And I can remember my dad taking me to a large parking lot at a stadium and teaching me how to drive standard. Let's just say he was real patient for about the first 30 minutes. But after 30 minutes of whiplash, 
trying to get out of first gear, okay, it was like, what was happening? Well, finally, there's a couple times I get it into gear. We're putting along. First gear, getting out of first gear is the hardest part. There's a whole lesson in that in and of itself. Just getting engaged, first gear, hardest part. Well, then there's this part of the parking lot, little stop sign, got a little hill, a little incline. You know where I'm going. In fact, you know exactly where I'm going because I'm stopped at that incline. And I'm trying to get in the first gear, and I didn't engage the gear. So what began to happen? You know where I'm going? Backwards. I started rolling down that hill. Thank God it was an empty parking lot because that was an accident waiting to happen. What happened? What happened was I wasn't engaged with the gear I needed to be in. You see, you don't have to really try really hard to drift. You just have to not be engaged. You see, the minute you disengage is the minute you begin to drift. And the truth is, you can begin to look in your life and look in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids, in your resources, most importantly, in your relationship with Jesus. There have been some areas you recognize, I've started to drift. How did I get there? You disengaged. You disengaged. You disengaged not because you're like, I don't love Jesus. You didn't disengage because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You didn't disengage because you're like, forget that. I don't want to go to church. I don't like Milestone. I don't like Pastor Chris. I don't like Jesus. You disengaged because you're busy. You disengaged because you got options. You disengaged because you live life with attention. I want this in my faith, but here's my life. And how do I navigate that tension? You engage. So when you look and go, man, I've drifted in some areas of life, how do I engage? Because that's where we live. We have faith and we have our life, this tension in between. And we have to navigate that. Well, we look to God's word to see that. And James is going to help us with that. Now, James, the author of the book of James, is is a unique individual, and I love James because James is the half-brother of Jesus. James is talking to a group of individuals, helping them navigate some tension and some pressure that they're feeling. Anybody have tension and pressure in life? That's who he's writing to. And there's external pressure that's happening. There's, there's fractions and arguments going on. There's people that are, that are fighting one another. There's opposition and persecution. There's financial challenges that are happening. You're going, Pastor Chris, did you just describe my household? Because that's what it can feel like. So you have all this tension, but here's what he begins to do. He says, hey, let me make it very clear. Let me just say this. If, you like, if you're a type of person, anyone in here, you're like, just tell me how. I like to tell it how it is. I like that. Talk to me how to read the book of James. Because guess what James does? James is like a good workout. Hurts so good. Okay? It's going to tell you how it is. It's going to let you know right up front. I don't know if that's because James was the half-brother of Jesus. He's like, I got a different perspective. Let me just let it, let me just tell you how it is. But here's what he says. In summation, the whole book of James is this. You think it's a bunch of external pressure on why you're feeling what you're feeling when really it's internal disunity. There's a lack of alignment inside of your soul. And so I want to bring alignment. I want you to engage with something that's going to help you move forward. Because what I know is this. When you engage with God... In a way that you have not engaged before, at a greater level than how you have engaged up to this point, you'll experience God do things in your life at a greater level than you have before. And so that's what James is talking about here in James chapter 1, verse 19. 
It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. That's a good thought right there. I mean, he's making it very clear. Hey, take note of this. I want, I want to get your attention. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I mean, we could stop right there. There's enough right there that we could unpack. There's so much that he's dialing into right there. It says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which, you can, which can save you. Here it is. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Get this. Do what it says. James says, hey, don't just listen, but do it. Don't, don't, don't. You got to navigate this tension. This is what Jesus was saying in Luke 6. You call me Lord, Lord, but you're not doing it. You're saying I'm the coach, but you're not running the play. I've, I've made it very plain for you. Here it is. You see, James here is saying, look, there's this tension that you have to navigate. Jesus even talks about it later on in the gospel. He said, look, you're going to know a tree by what? It's fruit. You'll know a tree by its fruit. And so he's making it very clear. He goes on, verse 23, James does. says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. He's saying, look, you, you, when you don't put action to what you're hearing, it's like looking at yourself and just forgetting what you even look like. It, it, it's this ongoing forgetfulness of going, I don't need, that's the equivalent. I mean, and, and, and you think about that, break that down, like for me to look at myself in the mirror and forget what I look like, as ridiculous or crazy or outlandish as that may sound, that's what James is equating it to. Now, I love what he goes on to say because he continues to write, and I love how he then ties this into our faith. So it's not just the actions, it's also the faith component. And it's James chapter 2, he writes in verse 17 and 18, he says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You know, when I hear that, I, I think of an old song that I heard growing up. There was a, uh, uh, an artist, his name's a writer and musician, his name was Rich Mullins. There's a phrase in a song that he sang, he said, Faith without works is like a screen door on a submarine. And as I was thinking about you, praying for you and preparing for this message, that just popped into my mind. I thought about, I mean, and I had heard that phrase for years. I had sang that song when I was a little kid, and I thought about that phrase. How ridiculous does that sound? Because a submarine was designed for a specific purpose. So why would you put a screen door on a submarine? By de facto, it's not going to allow it to do what it was designed to do. That's what James is saying. You were designed for a specific, unique purpose and that you should walk in those things. And for you not to walk in those things, to simply hear but not do, is as ridiculous as a screen door on a submarine. Now, I want to make it real clear. 
you're here this morning because you're going, obviously, hey, uh, maybe you're new to Milestone and you're going, I'm starting off the year right. I need to be in church. You're here. We had a first-time guest this week. The, uh, at the first service I was talking to, it's kind of like, hey, we just kind of showed up. We just, you know, I talk to people all the time. Like, hey, how's it going? Good to meet you. Yeah, you know, we just, we really want the kids to be in church, you know. Maybe you walked in because you just you want the kids to be in church. There's all sorts of reasons, but you're here today because at some level you are desiring to grow in your relationship with God in 2022. So there's this intention to want to grow your faith. But here's what we have to realize and here's what we have to recognize. It's not our intention that determines our destination, it's our direction. So what happens? We may start out with good intentions and we're well-meaning, but we look up one day and we realize we've drifted. We realize I'm disengaged. How does that happen? How do well-intended people end up disengaged? Well, when I look in my own life, because I really resonate with this very first thought, it's this. I think well-intended people end up disengaged because we believe we have unlimited capacity. I've got all sorts of options. I can do it all. I can go all. I just go, 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 go. Listen, what are you going to give your energy to? What are you going to give your life to? What are you going to prioritize in your life? So what happens is I start drifting because I think, oh, I just got all the options. I can just kind of do whatever and I have unlimited capacity. If any of you have ever tried to live that and survived, you recognize real quick, I cannot do that. You can't, because what begins to happen is this, you then in turn only focus on the micro while missing out on the macro. You don't have enough energy, you're dialed into all the weeds of trying to navigate all the stuff that you miss out on the big picture, which only leads us to then in turn feeling distracted by the things that are urgent. Squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? It's like you're distracted by the urgent, missing the important. Ultimately ended up frustrated and not putting your energy towards the things that actually matter most. You see, when we end up frustrated, it's, we're frustrated because we're focused on the wrong thing. We miss it. And so what ends up happening is we have this good intention and we have a good heart. We got a bad strategy. And we wonder, why do I end up there? And here's what ends up happening. We then in turn recognize, well, re-engaging is harder than actually engaging to begin with. Now I'm at a place where I need to, I need to make an adjustment. I've got to re-engage. I've got to re-engage with what God has wanted me to do. But, but, the, but that's hard. Because guess what? That takes energy. And so you know what we do? We're like, well, you know, I'll just settle for drifting. You don't have to settle for drifting. You don't have to settle for that in your life. God has something greater for you, but it's going to take you engaging. Again, I said this earlier, why is this so important? Because what you choose to engage with will determine the quality of your year. It will determine the quality of your year. Now, I was born and raised in Texas, Austin, Texas. And it was in Austin. I met my Cajun queen over there on the front row. And we moved to Lafayette, Louisiana, and we lived there. For 13 years. And I grew up in Texas. But can, you, can I tell you, Texas, especially Austin, is a lot different than Lafayette, Louisiana. And I lived in Lafayette, Louisiana for 13 years. And look, good people and good food, okay? 
But here's what we began to realize as God was stirring and working in our heart just over six years ago. He was bringing us back to Texas, but in bringing us back to Texas, he was bringing us to DFW. And can I tell you something? Coming back to DFW, the people of Louisiana, that's different than the people of DFW. And the people of Austin are different than the people of DFW. And I can remember moving back to this area and they're like, Pastor Chris, like don't, don't, don't challenge those people. Don't like step on their toes. I mean, they're busy people. Y'all busy people. You got a lot of options. You're busy. You have all these things, and, and you're growing and moving and all this stuff. Don't, 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 don't ask them of things. Don't ask them to serve. Don't ask them to leverage their leadership to build the kid. Don't do that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. Here's what I've learned. Is that in being around people like that, oftentimes the people that are the busiest are the ones that have the hardest time engaging and don't recognize they're disengaged the most. Why? Because there's so many things pulling for your attention. And the only way you're going to get to where you want to go is to actually engage. It's engage. The, the whole heart and the premise behind prepare is not, the vision behind it is not to give you something else to do. It, it's not to be a content distribution it's not to put a resource in your hand like a, a prayer guide that you have on your seat. That's not the point. The point is to give you an opportunity to engage, to grow in your relationship with God. You know, when I look at when we moved back to Texas, my first prepare was in 2016. And each year, Pastor Jeff had, had given us a word for the year. And so the first word for the year that I heard in 2016, I wasn't even on staff at the time. So I'm hearing it just like you're hearing it. I, I'm, I'm sitting in there going, okay, this applies to me. God, you're speaking to me. I have an opportunity to apply this to my life. And that word in 2016 was multiply. And then in, in 2017, as, you begin, as we begin to look, and again, I think it was in 2017, I, I came on the team. The word for, for the year was look up. Then 2018 was equipped, 2019 supply. Then I had an opportunity, Wendy and I, we moved out here, we became the campus pastors. So now I'm not just hearing the word for the year from the standpoint of just hearing it like you're hearing it and how does it apply to my life, but I now have the opportunity to also communicate it to you as your pastor. And the word for the year in 2020 was, was purity. I don't know if you remember 2020. You're like, Lord, I'm pure now. Okay, let's not have 2020 happen again. You're like, you're like, I don't know if we recycle these words, but can we give a little while before purity comes back around? I don't want another 2020, you know. And then last year, the word of the year was, was grow. And can I tell you, as a church as a whole, we grew. But you, Milestone McKinney, you grew. You took steps. So many people going through 101 and 201, serving, getting involved, people going through 301, taking their next step, people getting saved, people leading small groups, joining small groups. You grew. And can I tell you, here's what I love about all of this, is that when we as a church and you as an individual engage with these things, we saw significant, we saw these things happen. We saw multiplication, we saw harvest, we saw equipping, we saw purity, and we grew in what was a challenging, refining season. We saw all of these things begin to happen. Why? Because when we engage with God, He begins to grow us. I'm reminded of a, of a couple, I think of Daniel and Rochelle, Rochelle Hebert. 
And uh, I, I want to read for you. I was, I was talking to him earlier this week. And I, I want to read for you something he sent in to me and shared with me about their journey and their prepare story. How prepare impacted them. He said this. He, he shared this with me. I'm going to read it to you. He said, we started going to Milestone in January of 2020. In which prepare happened to be starting the following week. It was at our first service we decided to attend prepare and started our prayer and fasting journey. What a powerful moment in our lives. All while we started our journey of IVF and looking to bring a blessing into our lives. With odds drastically stacked against us, the power of prayer and the goodness of our Lord and Savior. We were blessed with getting pregnant on our first try with IVF. This is not the norm. When going through this process, to say that our family has been forever changed and the blessing that baby Hunter has been to our family is nothing short of the hand of God. We love Milestone and the impact Prepare and our church family has had in our lives. God is good and we have our blessing to show how great he truly is. So now you look and this is a beautiful couple, but now they've got this beautiful little gift that, can I tell you? In January 2020, you want to know what was inside their prayer guide? Believing for a baby. Believing for Hunter. They were believing for Hunter long before he came. I love when they're here and they bring it. And that little boy, I said, that boy, when you see him, I know it may be a little blurry. He's got hair for days. I said, Daniel, where did he get it? He said, I don't know, but I wish he'd share it with me, <laughs> you know. But I love, when I see that little boy, I don't just see a beautiful, and God's word says that children are a gift from God. You know what I see? I see a couple who believed in faith for God to continue to work and move. Now, listen, God can work in any context. Are you you going, man, Pastor Chris, are you saying I'm believing for a child, so if I come to prepare and fast and pray, God's going to give me a baby? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this, is that when we, God meets us, And impacts our life when we engage with him. And when we engage with him and what he's calling us to, then that engagement creates an avenue where God begins to work and through in our life. They just simply took a step. Their first time, they were first time guests essentially last week. And they said, hey, they're doing this prayer and fasting thing. Okay, I'm going to engage with that. New, new people, new environment, new thing. Daniel had, and I remember meeting Daniel. Daniel never fasted before. He's like, now I'm going to fast for three days. What in the world am I doing? What were they doing? They were engaging with what God had put in front of them. And when they did, God worked and moved in their life. God worked and moved in them. And and so I'm going to ask you over the next few days, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to engage over the next three days. I'm going to ask you to engage or prepare. I'm going to ask you to take a step. I'm going to ask you to be a part of what we're doing as a church family and also then coming together. Now look, here's the thing. You're navigating the busyness of your life. You're in the tension I was just talking to you about earlier. So you're already, as you're hearing me say that, you're thinking about whether or not you can fix your schedule to be here. Or whether or not you're willing to adjust your schedule to be here. Now listen, it's not because I'm looking for a bunch. We're going to be here fasting and praying whether you're here or not, okay? Because I ain't coming here for you. Now I love you. Don't get mad at me. I'm coming because I want to engage with God at another level. Every time I've engaged with God at a different level, I've experienced him do something in me, and I need it. I need it. I don't think because 
I'm the pastor, I have pastor in front of my name as a title that, that I need it any less. I need it. And so you may be going, all right, well, what do you want me to engage with, Pastor Chris? Is this just kind of like, rah, rah, get me here for three-night services? No. I mean, that's going to be part of it. But here's what I want you to engage with. And here's the thing. What I'm about to tell you, especially if you've been a part of Milestone at any level for any length of time, it's not earth-shattering. I know you're thinking, well, wow, you're really setting yourself up, Pastor Chris. But I'm going to tell you, it's the substance of who we are as a church. It's, it's time-tested, and it's true. And we've seen that every time people have engaged with these aspects of their life, there's been significant impact in their life. But most importantly, not just in their life from a practical standpoint and a practical outworking, in their life because of the impact it's had in their relationship with God. Because we're all navigating that tension between faith and the life that I'm living. So, so here's what we want you to engage with. First is this, regularly experience the presence of God. This year, I want you to engage with regularly experiencing God's presence. So do you mean, Pastor Chris, have perfect Sunday attendance? No, no, no. I didn't say regularly engage. Now, that's great. Be here. But more than anything... We want you to engage. That's why we do prepare. We're setting aside time to strategically and create like pre-service prayer at 6 o'clock. You're like, what do I pray? How do I pray? What do I do? Come to pre-service prayer at 6 o'clock. You'll get a real good template on, hey, this is what it could look like every single morning. Because when you engage with the presence of God on a regular basis, it just changes you. You're different. You're different. Because I know in my life, like what James said in chapter 1, when I don't engage with the presence of God, I'm not quick to listen. I'm quick to let you know everything I'm thinking. I'm the opposite of that scripture. I'm quick to talk and slow to listen. Listening for me is waiting for you to be quiet so I can tell you what I'm already thinking. I ain't really listening to you. I'm just being transparent. I'm human. But when I engage with the presence of God, can I tell you something? He helps me. I get frustrated. You ever get frustrated? If not, please help me out. Pray for your pastor, okay? I'm human. But can I tell you something? When I'm not in the presence of God, it doesn't produce a righteous anger that God desires. It produces human anger that God does not desire. That is James 1. That was what we just read. So even in that dichotomy, that's a practical example of what happens. Because when you engage in God's presence, here's what you experience. The word of God and the spirit of God. And when you only have one or the other, you experience dysfunction. Because if you have the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law, then you're harsh. And it's all about performing. And it's all about measuring up. And it can become legalistic. But when you have the spirit, but not the word, then what begins to happen is you're having a great old time. Just you and Jesus and your Jesus calling book and worship music and your candle and coffee and whatever little vibe and flow you got. But you know what? There's people all around you that never hear about Jesus because it's just you. And you're not running the play that coach gave you. You're saying, Lord, Lord, you're not doing what I said. And what I last gave you was go forth into all the world. Preach the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when I experience and engage with the presence of God, it changes me. That's what I want for you. 
That's what I want for your marriage. The thing that you think, I'm not saying, I mean, we all need, I, we need it. I don't, we all need marriage counseling, okay? If you're thinking, I don't need marriage counseling, you're the first person, line up. We, we, you, we all need it. That's the first issue we'll deal with, the fact that you don't think you need it. We all need it. But the thing you're looking for, I'm not saying you don't go. It's practical. We need those things. But it's, you need to engage in God's presence. We all need change and transition. We want depth with our children. You want to know where you're going to, you're just not going to naturally wake up one day and go, oh, I just want to really connect and engage with my kid. I mean, you're going to try, but you know what you'll do? You'll modify your behavior, you'll do good for a little while, and then it'll fizzle out. Because you got good intentions. But you have this tension you haven't learned to navigate. Why? Because it's engaging in God's presence that helps you do that. It's the word of God and the spirit of God that helps you do that. And when you're in his presence, you experience both. Here's the second thing we want you to engage with. I want you to engage with. And again, don't hear what I'm not saying. This is not just about, hey, come to prayer. This is about helping you walk this out. Because we're all wanting to navigate that tension between faith and real life. Here's the second thing. Discover my part. In his purpose. I want you to engage with discovering your part in his purpose. There's a role that God designs you to play. I was, you want to know the thing that encouraged me the most this morning? I loved it. I, I was, I'm so grateful for so many, so many of you that helped put on a weekend. It doesn't just happen, all this stuff. It's people during the week. Some of, the, some of it is the team. Some of it is volunteers. But then on a Sunday, it's like all hands on deck. You make it happen. You get here early. But I w- you know what encouraged me the most? There was a gentleman who was here. We did our, our little meeting before with kind of the production and worship team. It's kind of after our huddle. We're kind of in the weeds a little bit more. He's here, and he's just shadowing. He, how did that happen? Like shadowing, what does that mean? I mean, he was basically he's like, hey, I want to serve in a particular area. So he's just kind of seeing what goes on behind the scenes, right? How did that happen? Well, he went to 101 and then 201, and he took his next step, and then someone reached out to him and invited him to come be a part. And so he made the sacrifice, leaving his family while it's foggy and cold, and they're asleep, and he gets up early and gets here early, and he sacrificed. That inspires me. You want to know why? Because that's someone going, I want to engage with using my gift and discovering the part that I play in his overarching purpose. Something happens when we begin to do that. I shared with you last week Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3 is you are his workmanship, a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared for you ahead of time to walk in. So he created you with a purpose. He created you with a design. He gave you a unique ability and talent, and he wants you to use it. Not just simply feel real good about the fact that you have it. Use it. It would be like you men in here taking all the time, energy, and resources to purchase an engagement ring and then never propose. Exactly. That'd be ridiculous. You got it. Now use it. Use it. You see, when we engage in God's purpose, something begins to happen. We begin to evaluate what God is wanting to really get at. Look at what Proverbs 16, 2 through 3 says. It says, all of a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. You see, when I commit to the Lord, he begins to establish. That's what I want. I want him to establish my plans. 
I love the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 11.10, says that we're looking for a building where the Lord is the builder and the architect. He established it. He built it. You see, but here's what happens. It's not always him that's building it. It's our information bias that's building it. You're like, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, we all are exposed to it whether you think it or not. Just ask anyone in the tech industry and anyone that does any level of, of technical marketing sales, much less being uh, in social media. It happens every day. Everything that you're looking at and reading at, can I tell you? It is social biased. There's an algorithm that is tracking what you click, what you like, what you watch. And you know what they do? They just keep feeding you the same thing over and over. And you're in an echo chamber hearing the same thing, being told what you want to hear over and over. The only way to quiet that information bias is engage in God's word. Engage with his spirit and start operating, not in what everyone else is telling you you should be doing. Discovering how God wired you and then putting yourself in a position where you're going, God, I want to do what's most important to you. I, I want to engage with that. Because what begins to happen now is when I engage with his purpose, it checks my motives. And now I'm able to pursue his plan, not my plan, for my life. And then thirdly, here's where we want you to engage. I want you to engage because I want you to experience this so bad. I want you to engage with getting planted with the right relationships. You see, the relationships we engage with, they shape our future. They do. If you think that's not true, just go to a college sporting event. I, like, I, like, I grew up a Longhorn. A lot of burnt orange. You may think, burnt orange, that's a terrible color. Not if you're a Longhorn. Everything you got. My, when I was growing up, my brother, he loved the Longhorn so much, he painted a room in our house burnt orange. Okay? I mean, he, it was like, and now it's like I'm up here in DFW. We got Aggie fans everywhere. I mean, Lord help them, Lord. I mean, you know. Problem is I look good in maroon, but I just can't do that. You know, it's like I don't, you know, and you get you around Aggie fans, they do it, you know, Longhorns, they're doing their Aggies, they're like whoop and sip, and I don't know what they do, they're waving towels, you know, Baylor fans everywhere. Green, it's green and yellow does not look good together. I mean, it just doesn't, but sick them there, you know. Pastor Jeff, he's a Baylor fan, you know. He's real excited. They won the sugar bowl, he's feeling powerful, okay? Oklahoma fan, Lord, just touch them, Lord, Oklahoma fans. I don't know. But here's what's crazy. You get around those people, can I tell you something? They all look alike. They all wear the same thing. They wear the same color. They do the same chants. They, I was in Louisiana. LSU fans, well, they, I mean, well, they pretty much just ate and got drunk all the time. But at least not all of them, just, you know, most of them, okay? You know, you go to a game, you're like, Lord, I hope I make it out of here alive, you know? If, you know, if you're the opposing team. There's a reason why they call it Death Valley, Okay. It's all these things. And you know what's interesting? You begin to look at that picture and you know what it looks like? It looks like spiritual family. They all have their own thing and there's not conformity, but there is unity. They're all gathered around, doing the same chant, moving in the same direction, doing the same thing. What if we got more passionate about the things of the Lord than about our college sports team? Think about the time, the energy, the money, the face painting, the, all the shirts and the clothes that we spend on that. And you may go, well, Pastor Chris, I don't, I don't really pride me because I'm not into sports. But there is something you are passionate about. And passion is not always loud. 
But it is always obvious. It's obvious what you're really passionate What would happen if you started going, I'm going to be passionate about being planted with people that are moving in the same direction as me. Here's, here's what in the direction I'm wanting to go. In my relationship with God. Here's what the writer of Psalms says, Psalms 92, verse 12. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. You want to flourish in your life and in your relationship with God? You want to know where that comes from? Be planted. Be planted. You know, I talk to people all the time. They're like, man, well, if I just felt connected, then I'd really, I'd commit. I'd be all in. I'd serve. I'd this. I'd that. Not you know. Can I tell you, intimacy is a byproduct of shared purpose. The level of connection you're looking for is on the other end of you taking a step and committing to engage at a deeper level. It's in any area of life that is significant to you. Think about it. Even in relationship and marriage. There's a level of connection you experience, a level of intimacy you experience at a greater level after you're married. After the commitment. Why? Because intimacy is a byproduct of shared purpose. When you engage with relationships, they're going to help push you and grow you in your relationship with God. You grow and experience God in a different way than otherwise you would. I'm going to end with this story and then give you some practical things about what I want you to do or what you can do. But I'm reminded of the Castillo family. I met them about a year ago or so. And Daniel had come to a couple of services beforehand, he and his family. And, and then so, but Daniel heard about preparing. Guess what he did? He engaged. He took a step. And so they came. He came, actually. I think he actually came by himself. He came all three nights. And during those three nights, he just came. He was part of prayer, part of fasting. He's like, God, I need you to speak to me. I want you to speak to me. I need to hear from you. We're looking where to be planted. We're in transition. Where are you planting us, God? We're looking for a church home, a spiritual family. And it was on one of those nights, God spoke to him and made it very clear. He goes home and talks to his wife, Tasha, and said, this is where we need to be. This is a church family. God's joining us. This is where we need to be planted. And from that point on, they've engaged at every level. Daniel may look familiar because he's on here on the weekends at times playing keys like Barbara's doing now. Tasha helps out in many ways and first impressions in, in, with our women's ministry. And, and what I love is their two oldest were baptized this past year. And their oldest, Gabriel, oftentimes... Although he's in kids ministry, is serving his own generation because you don't have to wait to be great. He's back there. Why did that happen? That happened because he said, we're going to engage. We're going to step in. We're going to be planted. And what I love is I heard as he was sharing this with us that he has a couple of friends that are in the same season he was in. And he's praying for them and has invited them to come and join him for prepare this next week. And so at some point, sometime this next Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, he's got friends that are coming that are in the same place he was. And he's going, I, this is what he said, I'm believing God to speak to them the same way he spoke to me. So what am I asking you to do? Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to engage. I'm asking you to fast and pray. What is fasting? It's abstaining from food at some level. There's lots of ways you can do it. 
Okay, I don't know, we all have different health things and, and things like that. Wendy and I will fast, uh, you know, do just liquids or whatever it may be. There's different ways you go about it. And in your prayer guide, there's some tools in there and there's some resources in there to help you to define the best fast for you. Second is grab a prayer guide. There's one on your seat. Take it with you. We're not just doing that just to give you something. We're not looking, hey, let's just use this and pay for print material. It, it, like, I have on this page right here. I've got the last six years that I've torn out of the last six prayer guides I've had of things that God has done and said and I'm believing for. And I've circled things where he's answered prayers because I'm believing for God to do a significant work. And so there's scripture in there to help you. There's an area to write write down things that you're praying and believing for. So grab a guide. Grab a guide. I'm asking you to be here at pre-service prayer. Engage. Six o'clock, pre-service prayer in here. And then attend the nightly services. Attend each of them. All of them. Be here. Be engaged. A couple of new things that we're doing is we're going to send an email to you. You'll get a daily devotion in your email. Engage with that. Let that be a part of what you're doing. And then we're also going to have an opportunity because we know at times through the course of the week, it can be challenging. You're busy. But at noon prayer, you can hop on all our social channels and we'll have a prayer moment all together. And we'll have a a pastor that will be leading that on all our social channels. What am I doing? I'm asking you to engage. Because if you will engage with God at a level you never have before, you'll experience God work and move in your life at a level you